Hey, Andrew. Hey, Chris. Big week? Big week. Huge week. Horrible week. Oh? Yeah. So, I'm really glad I'm a Firefox user, so my car insurance rates are down, and it really came in handy because Wednesday, uh, after we re- after we recorded last week's podcast, I managed to run into a guy. Like, with my car. I made a oh. hole... I made a hole in his bumper, and it was raining and stuff, and I got soaked. So, and then uh, later on, uh, after I had posted the podcast, the electric went out, and it stayed out for like 12 hours. But that's that's not it. So on Friday, apparently, I'm the only freak in my apartment building who stays in his apartment on a Friday night. And about 7 o'clock, I hear a trickling coming from my uh, my utility room. And, you know, no big deal. It happens. You know, whenever the AC kicks on upstairs, there's condensation that trickles down the pipes. But then it started getting louder. I'm like, wait, that's not good. So I look into the utility closet, and I just see, like, water coming down from the ceiling. Like, a lot. And... You know, of course, no one no one is home, so I couldn't go up and, you know, ask the people, you know, what's going on here. And it the water felt warm, so like the people upstairs their water tank busted. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it took about an hour for the maintenance guy to get here. So, yeah, I was like almost flooded out. It was raining in my apartment. It should not rain in apartments. This is Control Structure Episode 35, Last of the Tater Tots, for July 16th, 2013, with hosts Andrew Bailey and Christopher Thompson, and now Epic Radio Silence. So, how was your week? My week was great. I got a promotion, I'm just kidding. My week's just been normal. Yeah, you just got a promotion not too long ago. Yeah. And man, I gotta say that promotion is handy. Huh. So, let me ask you some questions about that. So, would you rather be financially secure or have a job you can enjoy? Why not both? Why not both? You know, another question, another few questions, uh, have, would you rather have an interesting life or a happy life? Uh, and like a few other, uh, false choices. I came across these, you know, some of, some of these questions may sound like they're exclusive, but they really aren't. And, you know, I'd like to have all of them too, because it turns out that we don't live in an environment of scarcity anymore. So, like, all those state. All those statements that, you know, they don't imply having or not having anything. So, like, don't hide behind fancy language when you say, I'd rather have this than that, when when what you really mean is, I think that this is better than that. 
I think I know what business casual is, but I'd rather have casual than business casual. Indeed. <laughs> so apparently, so what what is dressing business casual like? Well, I'd say a button-down shirt and khakis. Uh, no tie. I'd say that would be the typical business casual. I mean, pretty much everywhere I've worked that has, you know, asked uh, business casual that met the uh, that met the bar. So, <laughs> so, like, apparently there's a few interpretations. Um, uh, this guy here says that here's a few suggestions that I would like to see at the bottom of a business invitation: uh, dressed like Steve Jobs, blue jeans, uh, black turtleneck. Uh, hip eyeglasses, uh, dress as if you're going to the gym, uh, business attire, which, you know, is actual business dress and not casual business, or whatever, uh, dress like you're meeting Ralph Lauren for lunch, uh, dress like you're a game developer, or dress like you're not <laughs> sure of the definition of business casual. <laughs> so... Mm. So yeah, what is like game developer? <laughs> so what is uh, the dress code at your job? Uh, business casual. They they have actually <laughs> removed ties from the list of casual items. Tie. Yeah. What's that? Like, uh, you know the things that you put around your neck and you strangle yourself with the guys wear. Oh, ties. It sounded like you said kais. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No um, where I'm at, it's casual. Uh, jeans, t-shirts, you know, walking shoes. So, then, you know, then, again, then again, you you can get away with that kind of casual as long as you're not going to the main corporate headquarters. Yeah. Where, Actual yeah. biz, big people meet. Yeah, yeah. Just, just make sure that you know it's clean and you know not it doesn't have holes and it's not wrinkled. Of course, that applies mm -hmm. to pretty much anything. Yeah, the they 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 are moving, trying to move all the IT people into a singular building. Nice. So, so yeah, but. Also setting it up so where people can work from home a lot more. So, hey, you can work from home and not even have to wear a thing. I would still wear clothing just to be <laughs> safe. I mean, what happens when the maintenance guys come in? Hey, don't mind me! <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that that pretty much only happens if, like, the water hot water tank upstairs explodes. Not, not here. It doesn't. They do regular. They, 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 they do weekly inspections on like the, basically like the furnace, the ah that little thing goes beep, 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 beep when you have a lot of smoke. <laughs> the smoke alarm, yeah. 
Or if you're, yeah. or if you just used up the last of the tater tots. <laughs> like I swear, yeah. I swear, pretty much every time I finish a bag of tater tots, the smoker alarm will go off whenever I open the oven. Uh oh. And yeah, that, that 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 that's not gonna work anymore. They they are working on making a singular source for the fire alarm. So if one goes off, the entire building goes off. Oh, that would be hell. Yeah, considering the four, eight, about 16, uh, no, 12 apartments in this single building. Yeah. And I, and I set my fire alarm off almost monthly. Yeah, for a little while there, I was setting mine off, like, every week. And, you know, even for, you know... Every so often, I'll hear a, an alarm go off in someone else's apartment. Mm. So, you know, of course, I've gotten into the habit of if it goes off in my apartment, I usually drop an F-bomb as well. <laughs> so. Oh, have you heard about Loading Ready Run? I have heard about Loading Ready Run. In fact, their their latest video this week was awesome. Yeah. Every time you touch alcohol, you went to the couch. <laughs> in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, you've though heard about... I, though I do, I do love the ending twist. Yeah. But uh, have you driven on the desert bus? No. Yep. Actually, actually, you did not tell me when this was. Uh, I think I always do, but... Um, oh, wait, oh, wait, I'm reading it. Yeah, this is... This one's coming up. So, yes, you are telling me about it. So, so yeah, Loading Ready Run drove the desert bus uh, uh, to the New Yorker magazine. So, um, I think this is just their blog here. But, um, yeah, the New Yorker did a uh, post pretty much all about Loading Ready Run and this boring game that they play. And uh, also a little bit about Penn and Teller, who actually, you know, created the thing. <laughs> so, have you ever considered getting an updated version, one that's like customized for loading ready one? I so, doubt. So, so, like, depending on playing, you'll have goggle beer goggles on. <laughs> Or, um, you can summon Cthulhu and it'll crash the bus. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, apparently there's, uh, iOS and Android apps for a uh, desert bus. You can actually, like, play the game on your phone. Why? I don't know. Do that. <laughs> so... Play the game for you. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you can donate to the Desert Bus for Hope Seven. Hope Seven. Yeah. Um, as of right now, it'll start in 122 days, and some hours and something. Um, it will officially start at 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, Saturday, November 16th. Uh, that'll be 1 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, yeah, you can, uh, go ahead and donate. All proceeds go to Child's Play, uh, the 
was it the Penny Arcade uh, charity that you know helps uh, uh, you know buy books and games and stuff for uh, kids in uh, children's hospitals? Okay. Well, last year they raised $443,000. Yep. Is that American or Canadian? I'm pretty sure that's U.S. dollars. Uh, since, child's, okay. since Child's Play, I'm pretty sure is U.S. dollars. You know, they're based out of Seattle, so... Okay. Well, that's nice. Yep. So, what's your Kickstarter for this week, since I have been a little lazy? <laughs> well, I had put this in as a suggestion for you, uh, but today's, uh, let's see, not today's, but this week's Kickstarter of the week is Plug. Uh, it is supposedly the brain of your devices, and what it is is, uh, you know, like a little jack with an uh, Ethernet port and a USB port on it. And what it is, is essentially like a personal cloud storage uh, thing. So, and, uh, you know, there's apps for, you know, all your phones and tablets and stuff. And, uh, you know, you can share uh, movies and photos and stuff with anyone instantly. So, like, it'll somehow give out, like, a personalized key or something uh, send it off to someone, and they can use that to, you know, access, you know, files on your plug. And because it's uh, USB, uh, you can just, you know, put a, a USB hub on it and connect a bajillion USB hard drives to it. Hmm. Okay. Thanks for the last comment. Otherwise, going to say this sounds just like a flash drive. <laughs> So, yep. Uh, this is a rather long Kickstarter. It's a 60-day one, and uh, their uh, like their aim, their goal was a $69,000, and right now they have $422,000 and 53 days to go. Seven days, half a million. Nice. Raspberry? 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 Raspberry! Raspberry! Man, that was some wicked lag. Uh, this week's uh, Raspberry is a project that uh, essentially puts a barcode scanner on your microwave, and your microwave will know like how to, how long and uh, how to cook your food. So, like you just take, uh, so you just like take your uh, hot pockets or something. You scan it under the barcode. You take it out, plop it in your microwave, close it, and it'll just do a magic. 
Okay, I'm a little confused. So, bar barcodes. Yeah. So I have to keep the barcode at the mills I make. Um. Well, I mean, if it's like store bought, you know, like on the box, there'll be a barcode. Huh. So. Very interesting. Yeah. It. It. it uh. You know, essentially, this guy put, you know, the raspberry inside the case of the microwave, and then he uh, made this rather interesting uh, thing. He uh, essentially overlaid a, the uh, keypad so that the Raspberry Pi could simulate the key presses on the keypad. He should start his own microwave business. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he would probably be sued into oblivion for patent infringement. And now, uh, for this week's LOL Apple. We <laughs> have two of them. Yeah. So, a uh, lawyer buys a MacBook. He, uh, uses it to watch porn on it. And then he sues Apple to provide porn filters on every Apple product. <laughs> so... Uh. Yeah, I don't think this is going to go too far. Sure it is. We can all back him. So, I mean, I guess all all the... Uh, if you want to watch porn, you just buy a Dell or something. <laughs> or a Raspberry you know, Pi. You know what we should do? Make the world's first dedicated porn computer. We make billions! <laughs> yes, because the internet is for porn. Yes. So, and this uh, comes courtesy of everyone's favorite Prenda Law blog, Ars Technica. <laughs> I think it's also everyone's favorite Apple blog. Really? Yes. So, uh, speaking of Apple stuff, we got another lull Apple here. Um, apparently, uh, ransomware is now available for OS X. So, uh, now criminals can, uh, hijack your computer, uh, pretend to be the FBI, and shake you down for a few hundred bucks at a time. Huh. Interesting. So, and, uh... A man $300 guy for viewing or just... Distributing porn. Yep. Huh. Uh, although this, uh, these threats uh, threaten that you have uh, distributed kitty porn. Ah. So, and uh, it seems like uh, whoever uh, whoever is doing these has uh, learned some English, but uh, still has a little bit of ways to go. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Good thing I don't use the Mac. Me too. You heard about Microsoft? Yeah. Didn't Bill Gates retire or something? Yeah, like a long time ago. Huh. But, uh... Yeah, I guess I'll go under 2007. <laughs> so, um... Uh, ever since then, Microsoft has pretty much been meandering around. Of course, you could probably say that they were doing that before Gates left. Uh, but 
Now, uh, with the uh, monkey Balmer in charge, he has finally decided to completely reorganize Microsoft. So, uh, like how it was before, was that they were pretty much organized upon product lines. So there was like the Windows group, there was the Office group, there was the Server group, and the Devices group. Um, okay. Uh, now they've pretty much merged like most of what they do under engineering. And now they have, like, accounting and sales and stuff, you know, like a normal proper business does. Well, Microsoft did so well without those. So, but then again, at, at the earlier time, the product did just sell itself. Yeah. But, uh, you know, now with Xbox and Windows Phone and servers and stuff, you know, people kind of expect, you know, one thing from one company to do well with another thing from the same company. So this should, you know, at least, you know, help along with that a little bit since the, you know, the power struggles within Microsoft have been, uh, you know, uh, not rumored, but, uh, like, actually devastating. Mm. So, uh, apparently, did you know that the, uh, the HTML renderer in Outlook is different from the HTML renderer in IE? A little bit, yeah. So, like, maybe now that won't be the case. Well, hopefully not. But the question is, which one do they choose? Well, I'd hope the IE one. <laughs> because, like, you know, especially with IE 10, it's, like, actually sort of good now. Um, yes, it is quite surprisingly. So, I mean, at least IE9 is passable. Um, yeah. And then uh, there's, like, the thing with uh, WordPad versus Word. So... That's the difference. Yeah, like the little, you know, uh, text editor that comes with Windows versus the one in Office. I thought that text editor was Notepad. Well, that's like the simple one, but like if you want to add like different fonts and bold and stuff, like all in the same document, like rich text, that's WordPad. I, I guess I have never used WordPad. I've always just used Word. So, but huh. uh, you know, my parents were uh, rather stringent on what was got for the computer, so you know. Everyone talked about Word, but all I had was WordPad. So, uh, at least growing up. And then OpenOffice kind of came along at some point and changed a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, ho hopefully have with... Have you heard about NeoCity? Yes, I have heard about NeoCities. In fact, I've uh, actually made an account there. So, really? Yeah. And, uh, so what city? What's that? What is Neo City? So Neo Cities is sort of reminiscent of Geo Cities. You remember that? Nope. Okay. Well, once upon a time back in the nineties, um, there was this Yay! story time. Yay! So once upon a time in the nineties, there was this website called Geo Cities, and what it was was essentially like a free web host. 
like they would give you like a few megabytes and you could upload HTML files and stuff. And, uh, you know, that was a really good idea. Uh, but unfortunately it pretty much became the, uh, I wouldn't want to say the ghetto of the web, but pretty much a museum of, uh, you know, like all the bad web design from the nineties, like, uh, <laughs> like really, uh, clashing colors and animated gif backgrounds you know like all the stuff that you shouldn't do geocities had it and Uh and of course there is like the issue of broken links everywhere uh but uh apparently kyle drake remembers that and you know notices that there's not really anything like that now and you know hopes to bring back a little bit of that innovation so, uh, NeoCities, uh, like, if you sign up, they'll give you 10 megabytes of free web space. And uh, now it has uh, space for 2 million websites. Nice. And uh, at some point, it will, uh, uh, the size limit will be raised to 20 megabytes. Hmm. So... And eventually, what I want to do is just create a static version of my blog and upload it here. Why? Just because. Okay. That's always a good, typical computer programmer attitude. Yep. Just because. Yep, you know, that uh, pretty much differentiates... uh, you know, Microsoft from Linux and, like, the open source community. You know, Microsoft is driven by customer requests, uh, whereas, you know, open source is driven by just cuz. Mm. So, have you heard that the feds are not invited to the DEF CON this year? Yeah. And uh, might you have any idea why? Uh... Well, considering that the DEF CON is, is a hacker culture, a little bit, given that over the last year we have had stuff like uh, major hacks of Steam, um, Sony. Um, those were like three years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. But, uh... Yep. By two thousand and nine, year two thousand and ten. <laughs> yeah, but uh, these hackers are, uh, you know, not the uh, illegal entry kind of hackers. They're like, oh, I hacked something together in my garage. Hackers. Mm. So. So the 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 the, the white hats. Yeah. Okay, because I do know about white and black hats, and I've heard that the white hats are scarier than the black hats. Yeah, and, uh, uh, like, when I was at my last job, when, uh, the company merged, like, there was, there were, like, two guys that, uh, camped out in the, uh, like, the, uh, I think it was the boardroom, like, all day for, like, a week. And, like, after a couple of days, I realized that there were white hats, Mm. So, and then, like, afterward, like afterwards, like, maybe two weeks later, there was a report saying, okay, these are, like, all your vulnerabilities. Fix them. Okay. So. That's cool. 
Yeah. So, you know, did did they actually wear white hats? No. Um, I but think I could, just, I could just picture myself sitting there in front of the white hat with like a white hat, an actual top white hat from the eighties, and maybe a monocle with a little mustache. Um, Good day. <laughs> except, except that is uh, essentially the logo for Lowell's sack, which is the black hats. Ah, uh, well, so. well, white hats and black hats are brothers. So, um, but you know, hacker culture thrives on you know, uh, like an open uh, spirit to everything. Um, you know, where everyone can come together and share things. Uh, but the feds have been hiding stuff and spying on everyone. So mm. they just want to call a timeout and, you know, maybe we can think about things for a while. So. Mm, interesting. So uh, you've heard about big data, right? Yep. It's been, it's been a topic for our last few podcast so like uh pretty much big data is built around uh, no sql type databases you know like hadoop and uh uh, like other things based off of uh i think it's called big table or something um Mm. so with with all this no sql stuff going on you know what the uh like the newest technology is it's sql (laughs) Well, they can they can keep reinventing SQL again and again. It just means I don't have to open a new technology. Well, I can be every decade. Oh, you know the latest technology. (laughs) (laughs) So you know the old technology and the technology before that and the technology that's coming out next next decade. So, uh, anyways, it uh, seems like, you know, they finally realized that SQL is actually a good way to uh, organize and query for data. So... Mm-hmm. If, if you... Right. Yes. But, um, you know, like you said, it's, you know, decades old. And, um, you know, like if you're just, you know, writing a, a select statement or update or merge or whatever... You know, it's a very sensible thing, but once you veer into stuff like triggers, uh, stuff like stored procedures, then, like, the syntax actually gets a little ugly. A little bit, but it's still pretty basic. Yeah, like 1970s it, basic. It, it, it is very, very readable. True. I want to select everything from... The employer's table where first names start with H. Right. That basically your SQL statement right there. Yep. And uh, uh, the uh, let's see it was yeah it was the last company I was at. You know, I could sort of tell that the people who wrote it knew SQL and not Java. And they were trying to write Java, and they had mm-hmm. they had absolutely no clue of what threading was. Oh, yeah. So like, there's the singleton, 
and there's a date formatter in there. The problem with that is it was, you know, running inside of a servlet container, and the date formatter is not a thread-safe class. And it was a static variable, and the methods were calling it. And I was surprised that no one had submitted a ticket saying, why is this date wrong? I can't change it. Huh. Because, like, it just so happened that perhaps, like, two people were using it at, like, the precise same millisecond. Hmm. So. Interesting. But I won't think about it anymore because I don't work there. <laughs> well, you can just add that to your list of why. <laughs> exactly. Think things to tell your grandkids in the future. So that that was almost, I'd say that would probably be the most WTFE thing that I've come across. But, like, I was reading the daily WTF, like, every day, and that was, like, nothing compared to <laughs> what was on there. I, 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 I almost, I had kind of a WTF moment today, so, with, 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 okay, how much do you know about medical codes? Uh, probably not a whole lot. Okay. Well, basically, there's, there's standard codes, so, like, 39 dot. Two would equal um, like uh, like a broken hip. Thing. Okay, I think Anyways. I think I might actually come across those at some point. But go on. So so there was this report that's being generated, and one of the things is the categorization of the medical codes. So guess what they did? Case medical. When medical code is equal is in, and then they give a whole list. Oh gosh! Is in this, and it went on, and then eventually you read it, and it wasn't even using medical codes anymore. It was using something like, okay, this facility. Hmm. So it was it was doing dirty data. Yeah, um, I think that's what the tables were invented for. Yeah. <laughs> and and they update this thing almost on a weekly basis. Wow. Oh, well. Moving on. So, so the SEC has just voted to list the ban on general... The SEC. Solication. Okay. Solication. So, yeah, the SEC has decided to do away with this. Uh, so general solicitation, uh, like in the terms of a company, is a company trying to go out and raise money. So it's trying to, like, recruit investors and stuff. So apparently there was a ban on this. So what that meant was, you know, pe you know founders of companies uh, could only contact people that they knew uh, already for some reason and ask them, hey, would you like to invest in my company? So without this ban, it means it's literally huge uh, because it lets people post on Twitter or Fartbook or whatever and, you know, say, Kickstarter. my company can has money, please. So, I mean, this is huge. I, I, I mean, it opens, <laughs> it, it opens up, you know, something like a, 
you know, like a Kickstarter for company shares instead of products. Yeah, but I would say you would have to be careful with that. True. Uh, but the return on investment in a company is, like, big. So if you happen to invest, like, $1,000 into a company now, in, like, 10 years or whatever, you can get your $10,000 back. Yeah, but that provided it lasts that long. True. Um, you, you, you were in the business class, right? Yep. Something like 50% fail within the first five years and then... And 50% of that fell within the next five years. Yeah. So you need to, you know, have a few buckets, if you will. So, um, you know, but the buckets that do last and succeed, you know, usually succeed really well. Uh-huh. So, for instance, uh, remember Instagram? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure, like, how much money was put into that, but Instagram sold itself for one Instagram. <laughs> that's that's one billion dollars so yeah so hey you heard about uh vlc um yeah they're a really good music player yeah uh video, video player. yeah video player too but uh apparently it has a security issue like a uh, very obscure one and uh secunia uh, like a security consultant stuff um, like, have found a couple of bugs with it, and, uh, you know, they contacted VLC and they fixed it, but then, apparently, they didn't really fix it. So, then they kept on contacting them about it, and, like, uh, after a few months, they contacted them again, and then VLC, uh, threatened to sue Secunia over it. Ooh, not a good move. Yeah. Uh, but the good news is that this particular vulnerability appears to be fixed in the 2.1.0 branch. So, as opposed to the current 2.0.7. Hmm, so, interesting. So, uh, you've heard about Valve, right? Valve? Yeah. The, like, it's like the summer sale that's going on? Yeah, the... The Steam people. Count to three. <laughs> yeah, the can't count to three people. So, okay. uh, apparently Valve, uh, let's see, I think it was last week, uh, released another game with two on the end of it called Dota 2. And uh, it was released last week for absolutely free. And apparently they're already testing it for Linux. Nice. So... And uh, speaking about Linux um, and games, uh, games based on CryEngine tend to make computers cry. Uh, but Crytek doesn't want to discriminate anymore and wants to make Linux systems cry too. So it has a job posting. <laughs> so it has a job posting to po to port CryEngine to Linux. Nice. So if you want to uh, you know work on the CryEngine uh, and move to Germany. And know Linux really well. This might be for you. So well, you know Linux really well. Well, not programming it or anything. Um, you can so, learn. So maybe we might have a Cry Linux at some point. And uh, what about Cry Mac? What's that? Cry Mac. <laughs> so, Cry Apple. 
So, well, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I'm I'm not sure if uh, CryEngine has already been ported to Mac yet or not. But uh, this this opens up the possibility of a Star Citizen coming to Linux, uh, be, as that is based mm-hmm. as that is based on CryEngine. Cool. So, hey, um, did you know that, uh, like about 20 years ago, Windows, uh, Microsoft released, uh, Windows for Workgroups 3.11? Yeah. So, um, uh, 20 years later, uh, Linux for Workgroups, uh, 3.11 has been confirmed. <laughs> so the, the release candidate, uh, the first release candidate for, uh, workgroups for Linux 3.11 has been released. So I wonder if they're just going to, you know, keep on calling it, uh, like the actual final release kernel, uh, Linux for workgroups. You know about new features? Yes, they're great if you're not programming them, but too many can make a bad product. Yes, I think we might have, uh, I mentioned something about this last week, uh, but here here's another reason to say no to uh, new spurious features. Uh, user experience rot. So you know it's uh, you know it goes to show you that you know version one you know even though it might have some bugs is theoretically the easier to use because it doesn't have as many features as uh, succeeding releases. Yep. So you know like as a product matures, you know, buttons seem to appear out of nowhere. <laughs> and, you know, like, menu options get longer. And, you know, this especially happens when you uh, install things on Windows and they add things to the context menu when you right-click on a file. At some point, you know, you just have to say no. And uh, this article suggests uh, saying uh, no to a thousand things uh, for every yes. Maybe this might... Maybe this might, uh, you know, uh, suggest to people to think about their feature suggestions a little bit more. Well, maybe this does make a little bit of sense because you, 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 you had my you had MySpace. It was overly complicated, not uniform. Then you had Facebook, extremely simple, easy to use. Now Facebook is getting overly complicated. <laughs> yep. So soon something simple again is going to come down the road. Hey, you talk about Facebook and being simple. Well, you know how much JavaScript Facebook has? Uh, after the last update, I have no idea anymore. Well, apparently it's a lot. And uh, Nicholas Zakis is a consultant, uh, apparently, like, for performance. And he says, enough with the JavaScript already. So, <laughs> so apparently, uh, uh, like, he's, you know, some consultant that goes around and, you know, helps make websites fast. And the uh, thing that he has noticed on, like, most of his clients' websites is like 60% of the JavaScript that gets loaded is never used. Mm. So, and like it's, you know, a, you know obviously killing uh, page load performance because you have to download or at least like refresh the cache, uh, validate the cache 
uh, to see if like all of this is still good. And it ends up being like somewhere around a megabyte or more of you know JavaScript or stuff that JavaScript loads. So he has a chart here and says that uh, uh, Facebook has about uh, 1.5 megs of JavaScript. Uh, that's about half a meg when it's compressed. But still, that's like a sizable, you know, uh, transfer right there. Mm-hmm. And well, one thing I have noticed with the Facebook and its JavaScript is when I open it for the first time, my entire computer freezes for like thirty seconds. Hmm. I think you might want to get that checked out. Well, oh, but... I I am formatting this computer this weekend. Yeah. Provided my computer parts get here, which is going to be a bit of a challenge, because it's to be scheduled to be delivered on the 18th, but they're retiring the surface of the apartment on the 17th and the 18th. Hmm. So that may delay it by a day, but hey, I'm working from home Friday. Well, that's good. Yep. So, and, uh, you know, he mentions these uh, client-side libraries that, you know, essentially just, you know, soup up the UI a little bit. Um, but they're, like, actually quite heavy. So, and uh, he actually has a post from Twitter here uh, saying that they're moving some of the rendering back to the server to improve page load times uh, to apparently one-fifth of what they were before. Mm. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, I guess news well, to every. Well, there, there, there was a push about half a decade ago to to move everything off of the server and let the client take care of it. Yeah. So. But if they didn't factor into how bad the client's computers would be. Uh, true. Um, I don't think they quite factored in the uh, mobile uh, stuff uh, because, like, especially on, like, a 3G connection, uh, round-trip time can be uh, pretty expensive from what I hear. Correct. So, you know, if everything comes, you know, more on one page, then that's, like, several, you know, Ajax requests that you don't have to do anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, um, have you ever thought about moving back to Utah? A few times, yeah. Uh, well, maybe we should all move to Utah because X-Mission is an ISP that will not spy on you. Uh, so, uh, the, uh... Are you sure this is a, uh, conspiracy? Um, no, because uh, apparently the government of Utah, like the attorney general out there, kind of hates the guy that runs it, you know, uh, simply because they won't uh, respond to any request that uh, is not accompanied by a warrant. Mm. So, which cool. is which is pretty much 99% of them. Nice. So, 
So this guy claims that we've had situations where people inside the attorney general's office have slandered my business and said that we're supporting criminals. Uh, we absolutely do not. We just ask for a proper warrant. And that seems to be too much to ask most of the time, unfortunately. Hmm. So um, apparently uh, X-Mission uh, offers fiber. Um, but I'm not sure if it's uh, good enough to prevent YouTube constipation. <laughs> well, cool. So, apparently the First Unitarian Church of Los Angeles, among other organizations, uh, versus the NSA, uh, has been filed in the U.S. District Court of Northern California. And this is uh, titled... A uh, complaint for constitutional and statutory violations seeking declaratory and injunctive relief, and it demands for a jury trial. So this is like essentially the court case challenging what the NSA is doing uh, that uh, violates the Constitution. Well, the NSA, I would say. Hmm. Um, you know, um, I, I would I would say the NSA was good if if kept a secret maybe, but once people find out about it, it gets destroyed. Yeah. Um. What would be better if they at least you know asked permission first? You know, then maybe yeah. it could, then maybe it could be okay. But mm -hmm. uh, so so. Yahoo also won the motion to declassify the court documents in the prison case also. Yeah, so, so this... So, it, it sounds like there's quite a bit of headway being made. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, Yahoo has done this, so it can uh, reveal, you know, like how many uh, requests from the NSA that they have received. So... Uh, the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court ruled Monday that the Justice Department must unseal documents from a classified 2008 case that Yahoo has said will demonstrate the Internet company, quote, objective strenuously, unquote, to providing the government with customer data. So that's definitely a good thing. So... Uh, but uh, if you remember the guy who started all of this, Edward Snowden, uh, he has apparently applied for Russian asylum uh, since he's been stuck in the airport in Moscow for like a month. Uh, he is literally what stuck. What's asylum? Asylum. It's like where you go to some other country and ask, you know, can you protect me, please? I am being persecuted by my homeland. Uh... Um, Good for him. Yes, yeah, so he is literally stuck in a Moscow airport since his uh, passport was revoked. Um, several other countries, uh, like in uh, Latin America, have said, yeah, you can come on over here. Uh, but that apparently he doesn't have a visa to go anywhere. So he has uh, apparently applied for temporary asylum in Russia. Hmm. You know, wasn't there like a movie about some some guy who got stuck in an airport for like twenty years? Uh, there was. Um, 
I believe I watched that movie. I think it had Tom Hanks in it. Might have been called, like, The Terminal or something. Could be. But anyway, it just sounds like The Terminal Part 2. <laughs> yeah. The Shroganoff story. <laughs> so, um, uh, I also have a list of five things that you didn't know about Java multi-threaded programming. So this uh, article from IBM goes into uh, you know rather uh, gory details of uh, you know things surrounding Java multi-threaded programming. Uh, you know uh, five things like uh, do you use a synchronized method or a synchronized block? Uh, apparently, there's quite a difference in the bytecode that's generated. Uh, you know, for and also things like thread local variables and uh, volatile variables, uh, whether you want to do volatile versus synchronized variables, and also atomic fields. So, hmm. you know, fortunately, yeah, um, fortunately I haven't really had to deal with any of this, um, you know, since uh, the servlet container, like the actual the server, takes care of most of this. So and and uh, you especially want to be careful when uh, like you access data from uh, another thread. I I ran I actually ran into kind of a problem at work today. So I was selecting from this table where like for example an from an employee table where middle name was not in say A comma B, so I was looking for everything else. But what was really, really interesting was there was some null values in middle name because, well, not everybody had middle names. Right. At least so, not in the system. Correct. So can you guess what the result was? So suppose um, I have, I have um, first name... Uh, well, employer ID 1 with the middle name of A, employer ID 2 with the middle name of C, employer ID 3 with the middle name of null. Well, null value. So, based on the statement, what would be returned, do you think? Uh, 2 would definitely be in there. And depends on if null is equal to null. Um, or rather, null is equal to anything at all. So I'm going to say that the null would be in there. Ant wrong. The null is not in there. Because when I'm using the end statement, it include it does not include undefined. It only includes defined. Ah. Uh, but... Very, very, very interesting. Uh, but what if you uh, took out the N and said where middle name is not A or middle name is not B? Well, if you, if you do it in that case, then you would get back to and three because you're doing a, a definitive. Yeah, then, then in that case, you would get back null.
internet just decided to, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I, I thought, thought it was something I might have said. Oh no, I'd never be angry at you. <laughs> well, actually, I might be a little bit, but... Okay, so good, we're back on. So, yeah. So Is, is the recording still working? Yeah, it should. You see two little wavy lines? No, I never see those. Uh, but I see a second counter increasing, so we're good. So, anyway, I guess okay. I'll guess I'll restart back at that beginning. So, uh, we've talked about the Opus codec a little bit on this podcast before. So, yep. I decided to look around for an encoder for this. And, uh, you know, so I found one downloaded and I uh, tried it out a little bit. And I uh, did an informal test against uh, Opus, uh, Vorbis, and MP3. Um, you know, and at really low bit rates, like 64 kilobits. And, you know, I went ahead and encoded that, so I have these files here, so what do I play them with? So, apparently, VLC, FUBAR2000, and Firefox can play back uh, Opus Sound, uh, you know, uh, out of the box. So I did that, and uh, found out that at 64 kilobit, uh, Opus sounds pretty good. Uh, unlike MP3, uh, it sounds like someone ran over it, uh, and uh, uh, Og Vorbis, uh, it sounds even a little bit better than Vorbis as well. Um, and apparently at 96k, it sounds even better. Uh, so, you know, I played around this a little bit, and, you know, uh, with a selection of about five, six, or seven songs or something, and, uh, so the advantages is, you know, Opus will likely be used for streaming applications, you know, stuff like Skype and internet radio, uh, due to its high encoding efficiency and supposedly low encoding latency. So, like, it uh, apparently divides up, uh, like, your sound better. It doesn't uh, process it as long, uh, apparently on the order of about 25 milliseconds or so. Like, you go in 25 milliseconds later, something comes out. Um, so apparently mm. Skype has the capability to use Opus uh, in the fact that, you know, the company behind Skype actually helped build the thing. Uh, but the switch apparently has not been flipped as of yet. So, and... Uh. And uh, even though... It's, you know, not streaming as much. Uh, I see a few applications in video games uh, use uh, uh, recorded dialogue specifically uh, because Opus is engineered to record voice really well and uh, perhaps uh, music as well. And on that note, uh, TeamSpeak uh, already uses it. So uh, TeamSpeak hmm. is like an external VoIP client. Uh, but it's used... I've, I've, I've used it before. Yeah. It's really nice. The, the, the other one is, I believe it's called Vanquillus. Yeah, like Ventrilo. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, we have some podcast feedback this week, uh, sent in from Ryan. Uh, we he, do. 
Thank yeah. you, Ryan. Yes, thank you. We we always do the extra twenty minutes of talking about you. <laughs> so <laughs> he sent an email that had about twenty points or so, but uh, here's like about eight or so of the uh, like really key informative ones. Um, uh, Ryan says that a self fulfilling prophecy is almost as dangerous as multiple girlfriends on fire. On fire? Yeah. How is that dangerous? Um, mostly because... I mean, already on fire, they can't beat you. True. Uh, but with that, there's only a uh, chance of horrible disfigurement or possibly death amongst a limited group of people. Uh, whereas uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy is, you know, you're sort of messing around with time with that. And, like, the sequence of events. So, yeah, Ryan asks, Hasn't HTTP2 been in draft for a year? Is it still stateless? I see myself having a hard time getting an Apache update for this. I might have to change repos. And as far as I know, it's still mostly stateless. Uh... The reason you haven't found any Apache updates is because this is the first draft to ask people to implement it, uh, so potentially expect something soon. There's also considerable controversy uh, over it, as HTTP 2 is not as plain text as HTTP 1.1. So, mm. And Ryan hates escaping rules. Uh, he always mixes up URL encode and URL encode raw and all the crap it does. Uh, never purposely put an uh, ampersand amp semicolon in a URL. I literally don't care about the rules. It's insane. Well, really, no kidding. I hate escaping rules too, especially ones that change in the middle of stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan says that IP... IPv6 addresses are so complicated. It's insane. Every person on Earth has enough addresses to contain the entire set of IPB, IPv4 addresses. It's crazy, but great. Sadly, there's not any really way for me to use IPv6 because the modem we have is ancient. And, you know, I point out that, you know, sure, there's the modem and router, uh, but your ISP has to support it as well. And this is where Fios epically fails against Comcast, uh, because at least uh, Comcast is or was trialing IPv6. And uh, supposedly Fios is, but they're not really shouting much about it, uh, whereas the Comcast trial, I think, is uh, a little bit more open. Uh, but I remember being on Comcast and watching YouTube reliably every time, and I don't know if that's still the case or not. Well, let's, let's let's go back to Comcast during Newmont years. Remember that big assignment that was due those one night? You remember Comcast suddenly saying, Hey, I'm going to go off until midnight. <laughs> mm. Do you remember those nights? I have tended to expunge those memories. Um, and or get my... Yeah, I keep sleeping back up uh, and or I always got the assignment in like well beforehand yeah I mean there there wasn't 
like there were, I remember one time where it was like 11.30 one night, and I hurry, hurry, hurry to get it checked in, uh, when suddenly I get there and realize, oh, it's due tomorrow night, but I don't care. I have it done, so it's getting submitted. <laughs> so... Uh, Ryan says, it just goes to show you that your product is best named when you call it what you call it. At Apple, they marketed the iPad 3 as the new iPad, but the people who worked on it and marketed it, uh, marketed it uh, all called it as the iPad 3 internally because that's what it was. Uh, Sony did a little weird thing with a PS Vita, since Vita really means nothing in the context of games and Sony's lineup. Uh, they already had a word for their portable handheld, but they apparently didn't want the stigma. Naming is hard. So Yes, it is. Yeah, and we seem to be in a rut where everything is a portmanteau of something. You know, where you divide up two words and stuff them together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ryan says that he read that good UI page. It was great. Single column is great advice for pages you read content on. And uh, I also found a uh, page that had some usability mistakes that you shouldn't make. Hmm. So, so for instance, uh, neglecting the design of blank slates. Uh, For instance, you know, what do you show when you actually have no information to show? Um unclear button labels uh, which is pretty much advice for everything Um, waiting uh, making users wait without giving them any feedback Uh, losing user input on web forms that should pretty much be a given for any form and uh, clickable areas should not be smaller than they appear to be so yeah so, if Valve made Half-Life 3, what would it be about? <laughs> and uh, um, I... Before we go there, on that site, there's a Twitter comment. Charlie had his kidney taken again. <laughs> oh, well, anyways, moving on to Half-Life 3. So, uh, Ryan asks, if uh, Valve made Half-Life 3, what would it be about? And I say that it would be about something impossible happening. Uh, because it seems like humanity and every other alien is pretty much screwed in Half-Life and Half-Life 2. But I said about, I think it might have been on Sunday, that Half-Life is a dead franchise. Like, there hasn't been a Half-Life game in so long that, uh, you know, if this was any other uh, game series that they would be calling it dead by now. Uh, but since then, yeah. there, but since then, there has been another popular game series about an alien invasion. Well, you know how that turned out. Yeah. Besides, they could be taking the Duke Nukem approach. Except uh, f- throughout Duke Nukem's development, we knew that something was happening. Uh, whereas yep. with Half-Life 3, it's been epic radio silence. <laughs> so, hey, Bob, you sent out the email? Yeah, I sent it three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So uh, Ryan says that he likes the sound of my uh, the improvements I'm doing to my blog. So thank you, Ryan. So I am uh, currently testing uh, all of that. So the conversion, you know, so I have like all these blog posts, like over a hundred of them, and I needed to convert them from HTML to Markdown since I'm pretty much going to be using Markdown for everything now. So I did that, and everything pretty much came over uh, fine, uh, but there was like a, about a dozen or so articles that were just completely blurged and vomited on, and uh, like I needed to go back and fix those, so I think I've got those done. And, uh, you know, like I had disabled some like security features and stuff just to make everything easier to work with so I wouldn't have to pull my hair out just for development. Uh, so, like, I'm going through re-enabling everything and, you know, uh, looking at all the code that I may have commented out and, you know, asking why is this still here. So, and I'm also debating on uh, whether or not, you know, because uh, there's apparently blogs out there that essentially rip your RSS feed and, like, post them as, like, on their own blog. Mm. And uh, I believe it was Scott Hanselman uh, noticed this. And, uh, you know, apparently they they were using the images stored on his server and not their own. So anytime uh, someone viewed the post on the fake site, uh, he would have to pay for bandwidth to serve up any kind of image. So what he did was he, like, made an image that recognized, oh, this is coming from some other site, so I'll return this image that says you're looking at a fake site, come to my blog instead. <laughs> That's clever. Yeah, so I'm wondering if I should, you know, look at, you know, doing something like that, but at least denying... Uh, the image requests if they come in from a referrer that's not my own server. I would definitely do that. Uh, let's see where that post is. So, uh, Ryan asks, uh, Chris, don't pull an Ian Decker and have your girlfriend on the show. Oh man, I was just thinking about getting her to stay until Tuesday so she could be on the show. Ah. Uh, so, um, uh, well, could you not Shanghai her, please? What does that mean? Um, it's apparently a term that uh, the innuendo show uses uh, when they're on the fringe and they're like, you know who's our guest today? Like, well, I was thinking this person, and then they call them up on the fringe and say, "Too bad you're on a podcast now." So, and I, okay. and I do recall that uh, Buckface had his girlfriend on his show as well. So basically, everybody. So until you get a girlfriend, we're not allowed to have girlfriends on the show. Is that what you're saying? Mm, pretty much. You know, you know, we, we, we could start a new show about girlfriends who boyfriends are hosts on 
on the Nexus. Oh, so like a show about uh, girlfriends of podcasters? Yeah. And, and, and they could drive about all the stuff that we do wrong. Oh, they talk about this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Because, come on, we do need a female or two on the show. It would be nice. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, if you would like to uh, be a guest on our show, uh, or if you have any other kind of feedback, don't forget to use the contact uh, link, and don't forget to use uh, put the show as control structure, so we'll be sure to get that. And as always, today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up your stuff. So, uh, let's see. Found it? Yep, I've already called... Hello, Mom. Hi, Mom. And your mom. So, uh, let's see. So, uh, how's your week shaping up? Any plans? My week is shaping up great. My oh. girlfriend coming down for the weekend. My roommate's leaving for the weekend. Is he going I'm having to a barbecue cookout on the weekend? Is he going to I'm India? Going swimming on the weekend. Is he no, going? He's just going. Over to... He's just going over to a friend's house. Oh. He doesn't want to be around my girlfriend. Oh. So, um, let's see if. Pretty much nothing happens this week. It'll be a better week than it was last week. <laughs> well, I, th- I hope a meteor strikes your house just to make that comment incorrect. Uh, well, so I got home and my house was gone. Apparently, a meteor struck it. Yay, insurance money! Just make sure your insurance money covers medias. Um, I'll have to look at my renter's insurance policy, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it would yeah. fall under. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it, well, to get it really clever, one would be predictable. Predictable actions are only. Only cover predictable actions. Hmm. Well, I suppose a meteor impact could potentially be predicted. Yeah, I guess so. So. Boing, boing, you're going to get struck by a meteor. Get outside in the next five seconds. Too late. So. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, talk to you next week. Yep. See you next week. Bye.